Hello and welcome to the STC Fit Learning Podcast. I'll be your host today. My name's Ben Scott. I'll be joined by Jason Galea. Thanks for joining us on our way to create 1 million positive outcomes for personal training clients by 2030. The podcast is brought to you by at STC Fit Learning, a page created to upskill and educate PTs and gym nerds. Also brought to you by at STC Fit, and that's a place for all your online and in-person personal training needs. If you enjoyed today's episodes, please give us a share and tag on the Instawebs. You can tag at STC Fit, at STC Fit Learning, at Ben Scott SC, and at Jason Galea PC. Hope you enjoy the show. What's up, Jace? Well, up, Ben. How you doing? I'm well. Good. How's your week? Back on the golf course. Yeah, actually, um, I had my second Pfizer jab, um, so I'm fully vaccinated. So by now I'm eligible for these incoming freedoms. You didn't die. Um, it's also good. Because I made the quote-unquote choice to go and get vaccinated. Yeah. <laughs> to support <laughs> the uh, the roadmap where they yeah. back you into a corner to get vaccinated, but you chose to. Mm, um, but anyway, yeah. So um, <laughs> I went and played golf the next day. It's probably a little bit ambitious because uh, I, I played and I was like, oh, I feel sweet. And then when I got home, I was like, woof, this is a bad idea. And then when we got back from that walk as well, yesterday, I was like, oh, this was definitely a bad idea. So then I was just like pinned 12, on 000, the couch. 12,000 steps on the day that you got your second one. So maybe <laughs> <I didn't. laughs> yeah, I was pinned on the couch. So yeah, but it was all right. Like, well, yeah, I did just kind of felt like I had like a little bit of like flu-like symptoms, just like tiny bit, like I had a little bit of a fever and then, yeah, like a little bit of achy joints. And then, yeah, I woke up today and I'm good as gold. Yeah, I just wanted to sleep. Hey, um, yeah, I, I actually got AstraZeneca, so I got the. I've only had the first one so far. Yeah, um, came home, had a couple hour nap, I think, and then the next day, I'd already decided I like wasn't training, so I sort of woke up. Yeah, it was the time I would train. Just went back to sleep. Um, had a a good, I think, eleven hour sleep overnight. A couple of neurofen to get rid of the body aches, and we were sweet. Yeah. Yeah, I did the same. I, someone told me, like, so they didn't tell me anything about working out and exercising. And mm. then someone told me that, like, you shouldn't train. Their doctor said not to train for, like, 48 hours because you can get, like, inflammation of your heart and stuff. And I was like, yeah. so no one let me know this guy who clearly visibly looks like he works out. Or I yeah. think that that's what you hope <laughs> is the case. Yeah, because I've been doing this for quite a while now. Yeah. And I did not have this this person tell me the first time. So... Yeah, I was like, this time I'm like, I'm going to make sure that I don't train for a couple of days um, yeah. and then yeah, get back into it probably tomorrow or something like that. Um, well, we got to, we're on a bit of a time cap today, guys. So we're going to jump straight into the, to the content and not start a riot talking about pros and cons of vaccinations. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> which would be fun, but we won't. Um, so yeah, today we're going to talk about niching. So obviously we've just had our standout PT intake uh, come through for for the new guys, um, which there's very 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 last minute spots. Like you, if this is the Friday that this is released, contact us. Um, yeah. But Monday will be the last call because you'll be too much content to get into before the first workshop. Uh, but yeah, a lot of the conversations I had throughout that was people just not knowing who they trained, and it was really reflective in the overall score that they, their business got when they did our scorecard was just a reflection of not knowing that. Um, like one of the things we talk about is like knowing where your, your goals and knowing where you're heading. So having a plan. And then the next step of that is knowing who you actually want to coach and who you want to train. Um, not having that means decision-making in every other part of your business is guesswork really. Like yeah. what is your business model? Well, it depends on who you work with. What is your service? Well, it depends on who you work with. What is your uh, social media strategy? It depends on who you work with. What is your technical proficiency supposed to be? It depends on who you work with. Um, so anything else that you're going to do beyond the, that point, you need to know who that person is. And I think it gets misconstrued as to what a niche kind of means. Um, so a caveat I want to put on, on that first is having a niche doesn't mean you only train one person. Like we talk about an ICA, so your ideal client avatar, which is one perfect client that you have in your head but your niche is not your market yep. so if you have a look like i've taken 
people to bodybuilding and bikini competitions before, but that's not my niche. If you go on my Instagram, it's pretty obvious that I train women that want to be strong and look good, not necessarily to that degree. And Jason, you've taken people from zero to national level powerlifting and there's no powerlifting on your shit. (laughs) The niche is not your market. You still work and attract people outside of that really minuscule scope, but you need to have that refined vision of who you're working with to be able to communicate effectively. So I'm curious, Jace, like when was the first time in your business you sat back and thought about who you worked with? Uh, I think when I wanted to probably move out of the gym was when I I had the biggest thought about that because you know, we can obviously move online, market to the world and market to at least yourself at a national level. So there's millions of people within Australia, there's billions of people throughout the world. So you've got to then think, well, how am I going to stand out and attract a really small amount of people or a small percentage um, of that population um, and have them kind of attracted to myself. And I need to be able to communicate with these people and identify. So that was probably the biggest one. Like it's hard. Like I know a lot of the coaches are going to be like, well, um, within my gym, my, you know, people come up to me and, you know, they approach me and, you know, like maybe some people need business and, you know, they want to try and take on as many people as they, as they want and all that kind of stuff. But even like within the gym, like I still had a niche in terms of like outcomes that I got for people. Like people still knew that if you wanted to get strong and look good, like you'd come and see me like mm-hmm. at that gym, like the, the people that fell underneath that was much broader, but yeah, like, I guess when I really started to like nail down the niche was definitely like moving online or just, getting out of a place where the the lead generation was really like people within the gym and they would just kind of walk up to me and, you know, I would have that conversation of whether like we were a good fit or if I just needed to take on clients or not. Yeah. It's interesting. Like, and I think this is something that people miss a lot as well. It's like you indirectly, we're going to talk about horizontal and vertical niches, a horizontal niches for someone who, wants a broad spectrum of people that they're working with which is essentially what you had right it's like people in the gym body composition primarily was a goal maybe move a little bit better some people wanted a bit more strength so if people wanted to look better and they were serious about their training you went to jason and that's that's what we would refer to as a horizontal niche whereas as you went online way more competition way more noise way more exposure we need to go into what we call a vertical niche, which is very specific to a really to an individual. Yeah. And if you look at like the biggest pitfalls, like, you know, we've talked about over our journey, even recently um, about the things that we just kind of put work into and like, didn't really get a good return from when you move into the online space, like you don't want to really fall into that like horizontal niche because then you're just this person that's giving out just general information to like general population. And you're not really going to connect with a wide variety of people. And they're just going to go, Oh, that, that STC fit, they put out a lot of good information, like they're cool, but there's no real, like they're the experts that are going to get the outcomes for us. Yeah. And we've made that mistake heaps. I actually had a a chat with the Rover guys on their podcast last week. And I said, there's, there's not many like regrets that I have with what we've done. I feel like everything we've done was a lesson that we needed to go through to get to where we are now. But that's one thing that I look back and just think, fuck, I wish we did that better. Like we, yeah. the, the amount of content that we put out, I just wish that we'd have done it way more targeted to, to a niche, uh, yeah. to a specific person we're trying to talk to. So why you need to be really clear on your niche, I think is important before we go into this conversation. Like if you're in your business right now and you've got difficulty closing sales, you feel like you're always chasing clients. Not all of your clients feel very fulfilling, at least like half of them. Um, your retention rate's pretty poor, low-end client outcomes, not really getting those re- re- um, results that you want and you're not getting any referrals. That tells me that you don't have an effective niche. You're not tapping into to a niche at all. On the flip side, if you're able to change it, you'll have people coming to you that are pre-sold. People ask to work with you, like Jay said, coming up to you on the gym floor, like, hey, I want to work with you, finding your number, all that kind of stuff. Um, DMing you online. Hey, do you have any spots? I remember the first time that happened to me and I was like, well, yeah, but that's fucking cool. (laughs) (laughs) 
Um, I'll see if I can squeeze you in. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I've got 10 spaces available, but I'll make one just, just special for you. Um, yeah. Enjoy working with all of your clients, high retention rates, good referrals, uh, and obviously getting great results, which is ultimately why we're here. Um, so yeah, if you're sitting in a position at the moment, all of those things are happening in your business it could be as simple as just addressing what your niche is. When you don't have a niche, like your mindset, when we talk about mindset, we talk about growth and ownership and we talk about clarity of vision and goals. If you don't know who you want to work with, how do you set your goals of three months, six months, one year, five years? Like you, if you don't know who you're targeting to be working with, how do you reverse engineer a business that's going to actually service those people? In the business model standpoint, if you think about even um, like Jason and I, the even though we run everything under pretty much the same system, the exact intricacies of how we do things are slightly different because we work with slightly different people. The model itself is slightly different. Um, <clears throat> the check-in structure and the way we deliver that is going to be slightly different. The, how we do those little details are going to be different because Jace typically works with primarily physique. I work typically with primarily strength. So those two people need something different. And then imagine working with like gen pop fat loss. The business model is going to be totally different to what you and I have in, in our business. Service obviously is a reflection of that. What each person needs is going to be really different. If you're training a uh, executive, highly paid, highly stressed corporate person, the service you're providing them is more likely they're outsourcing their health and fitness to you. Whereas if you're working with someone who has their training in the top three priorities in their life, it's a totally different discussion. They want education. They want all this information, empowerment to do stuff by themselves, decision-making skills, all of that. So your service needs to be really different for those two individuals. Marketing, like attracting clients, like all of your marketing should be talking to the person you want to train. And if you're not doing that, then you're not going to attract anyone, <laughs> which is what Jace made reference. Yeah, Jace made reference to before. Like, uh, this is what this means. And you should have two grams of protein per kilo and all the cool shit that you guys post that are like, um, yeah, really solid information and actually probably fucking useful, but no one gives a shit, unfortunately. Like, unless you identify it as a problem, the just providing a solution it doesn't mean anything. And then the skill sets, like you'll see people that train gen pop clients going and learning like fucking um, biology and studying to be able to recite and draw the Krebs cycle on a whiteboard. It's like, do, is that where your skill set needs to be right now to train someone who just probably needs to move a bit more, eat a little bit less, or at least eat healthier? Like, is that, that where you need to be investing your time? Or maybe it should be invested in coaching and language and all those kind of things. So really, really important across your business to know who you're actually trying to target that. So coming back to the, the vertical versus the horizontal niche, in our experience working within the standout PT program, the, the most defining structure of this is if you're at capacity or if you're not at capacity. Yeah. Um, and I would even say that is for a face-to-face business. If you're online, I almost I don't think you have a choice. You need to be specific. So you need to be vertical. Yeah. Um, otherwise, there's just too much noise. So, well, what what does the what do we look like and what does that mean? Well, so a horizontal is like non-specific, intended to meet the needs of a large group of customers, wide range of needs. Um, someone who's like personal trainer for all women in fucking Essendon might be your your niche whereas if you had a vertical need it'd be all women in Essendon who are aged 20 to 25 and want to just lose the last five kilos if that's starting to distinguish the difference between the two obviously you're starting to make a picture of who that person really is rather than just the outcome that they're trying to get Going online, obviously, we refine that even further. It's like they, uh, age, income, where do they work? What car do they drive? Where do they hang out on weekends? What social media outlets do they go on? Do they use video? Do they use prefer text? 
do they like um they like information or they're rather solutions being able to communicate with all of that just continuously evolves so jace being on the gym floor who trains at good life point cook that's all we needed to do and it was like okay it's going to be probably 60 even 70 percent women compared mm-hmm. to men who hire personal trainers so we needs to be female friendly um, most people want to look better naked move better and probably feel better in general so we're going to have some weight training but i'm open to introducing maybe some conditioning type stuff in my training uh, they're going to want to train more times than what they're just with me because like you said you trained people that were serious people went to you because they knew you were serious we had other trainers at the time that were entertainment as well and that's not a bad thing if you want to be the trainer that trains gen pop in the fun environment go do that um but identify that that's who you're targeting and do it on purpose so yeah who else was within that we knew that they were probably where we were was going to be mostly younger younger mums um were really popular in the club that we worked at we had some of the early 20s not really an elderly population and most of those didn't have personal trainers anyway so that probably doesn't really make sense to market to them um i say that because the second gym i went to the average age of the member went up by probably 15 to 20 years so really important to know okay well who's here what do they want what goals do they want and then who do i want to be so the filters to actually start to put this together there's three main things that we ask the guys to think about when it comes to their establishing their niche the first one is who can you get the best results for so Jace, you kind of mentioned like at the time you were the guy, if you wanted to get stronger or look better, you found you. Yeah. And you were consciously trying to get really good at that thing, right? And you could get good results and that's why you got referrals and attracted new people. So if you identify, or we'll do all three and then we'll break them down. So who do you get the best results for? Who are you willing to pay? Who is willing to pay for your service? So this is where you got to consider like your business model, how many people you want to work with, who's actually going to be willing and able to pay. We mentioned like that corporate person, they've got money, they don't have time, but someone like if we're talking about someone who wants to look better, maybe they don't have as much free income, Mm. but they value personal training very highly. Or maybe if you're the entertainment trainer, they don't actually value it that much. They need someone to keep them entertained. So they show up, they know they have to. So the value to them is lower. So we need to start considering like who in the market is actually willing to pay for what you do. Yeah, I think, um, did we do the third one? Sorry, but I, I, I won't um, comment until. Uh, yeah, go anyway. <laughs> uh, well, the, th- the third one's um, who do you get the most fulfillment from training? So that's obviously yeah. a really important one as well because we need fire in the belly. Uh, we want to be, make sure we you know, rock up every day and um, you know, excited to work with our clients and stuff. And Ben's experienced it and I've experienced it as well. There's nothing worse than rocking up and training a group of people that you just have no interest in training moving forward. It'll suck the absolute life out of you. So it is important to kind of have a good look at like, who's this person that I want to train? Um, how can I attract these people? I think the other one which really helped for me as well, um, which is not in there, it's just like, who's attracted to you? Because if we look at like, even just from Ben and myself as an example, people are attracted to like us as coaches and us as personalities as well. And they, yeah, they have goals and stuff like that too. But sometimes it's like gender specific, sometimes personality specific, sometimes like it is still goal specific too. Um, sometimes it's like uh, priority specific, like, you know, people will come to a certain coach who wants a specific outcome and they'll be super serious. Um, some people will want to be educated and built up over time. And then some people like will feel more comfortable going to a certain coach who, um, and they don't know anything and they are vulnerable, but feel comfortable with a particular person as well. So use the first three. And if you've got clients now, like, cause I wasn't aware of this stuff and I'm not sure if Ben was when he had a, a book of clients. So when I did have to kind of sit down and think about who this person was, rather than me kind of just drawing up this, person from scratch i kind of had a look at the average of the people that i was working with right now and i was like well this is the average of the person 
Um, and then I ran those three. I was like, who's the best that I get results with? Pretty much the ones that were coachable, um, took it seriously um, and had our outcomes in strength and body composition. And it was like, who is willing to pay for the service? Well, I identified that anyone over 25 was more willing to pay for the service and more likely to pay for the service too. So willing and able, I guess, is probably what you could call it. Because if they get a parking ticket or a bill or a registration or something like that, it doesn't, like personal training doesn't stop. Life goes on. Like they're a little bit more stable, um, treat their health and fitness as a priority for whatever reason, more so than people under 25 for the people that I was working with at the time. Um, and then who was the person that I got fulfillment training? It was obviously the things that I enjoyed to do, which was resistance training based and, you know, working with like nutrition and stuff. So I think that um, if you have a current crop of clients, uh, go, starting with that kind of average and even just like running what this person is um, or running this kind of process without your current crop of clients and then looking at it with who is the average and then even cross-referencing um, those. But what I found was like a really helpful thing was that like who is willing to kind of pay for your service. Like I think that is a big consideration because, you know, we, we look at a lot of coaches want that like robotic client, right? They want that person. And typically that person's like, you know, got no uh, very little responsibilities in life generally. And because they might live at home and they might not have a career just yet or for whatever reason, um, they're really good to train, uh, especially when you need to get a book of clients and some uh, before and afters. The downside is that a lot of them don't have the willingness to pay for the service. So you've got to consider like sometimes kind of meet in the middle with like who's the population that has uh, the, I guess, the uh, available income to invest in someone like yourself um, and then kind of, and, and, or even like, who are you willing to, uh, who are you going to attract and what, which one out of the three of these pillars, like who can you get the best results for, who can pay for it and what fulfillment is like, which one kind of is higher than the others. And like, are you willing to accept, you know, this one, like them being really fulfilling, but you might have to charge a little bit less um, and you may not get, good results with them or whatever or maybe you get the best results with this person but you know they don't charge a lot you can't charge a lot because the willingness to pay is for whatever reason like you've got to kind of see these things as a trade-off um or it's like you identify these things and then try and gravitate towards a group of people that has all three you know it's yeah. like who are you at right now where's your crop at right now with your current clients and it's like they're all pretty good and they all fulfill me but the willingness to pay is the issue. And it's like, okay, well, we now need to have a think about how we solve that problem. Yeah. Yeah. I had a, a really cool consult this morning um, with a guy up on the, the Gold Coast or Sunny Coast who he was, he surfs and skates, ex military, competes in bodybuilding, done heaps of different stuff and likes heaps of different stuff. He's like, oh, I kind of like, he's only been in the industry a few months. It's like, I kind of like working with new people and teaching them. I kind of like, I love bodybuilding. I've been doing that for seven years. Um, I also like the S&C stuff from the, because I did that with the ADF and on and on and on. I was like, okay, so let's start to kind of pull these pieces together. Someone who surfs full time and just wants to do surfing and do everything to be better at surfing and i'm generalizing probably doesn't make a shitload of money because their probably priority is like surfing and they work a job so they can eat and that's it if you go on the stereotype of of that person um and then you look at a bodybuilder and it's like okay well, there's a lot of bodybuilding coaches there's a lot of competition there also like a lot of people that are really interested in that do it themselves. So what about someone who wants to be good at surfing and skating and doing all this other stuff, but also wants to look really good naked and just surfs on the weekends because they like it and still has a job. It's like, oh, okay. So now we've got someone who ticks the boxes. So you can have people that are leaning either side, more interested in physique, more interested in doing a, a sport that have high paying jobs. So they're 
they're willing to pay for you. They're able to pay for you. They place it as a high enough priority and they tick all the boxes that are going to fulfill you. And it was like, you just watched the penny drop. It was like, oh, fuck, I don't have to just like choose this one thing. And I, I think um, I think it was on our podcast, actually. Thomas Lilly talked about it. Uh, if you guys don't know who he is, probably the most successful powerlifting coach in Australia um, ever <laughs> and currently he basically realized that he had to stop marketing to powerlifters that had to stop being his niche. He had to start talking to people who wanted to strength train in general Mm. and then create powerlifters. And I think if we look at what we've done, at least in the powerlifting space and then within photo shoots as well, not a heap of people come to STC fit as the brand, maybe you and I a little bit more, but as the brand don't come to us and be like, I want to be a competitive powerlifter or I even less. So I am a competitive powerlifter and I want you to coach me, Mm. but we have a team of 15, maybe 20. Now, once we open up powerlifters who are interested in doing novice competitions all the way up to the national level, we had three national qualifiers in our last meet. How did that happen? Well, we attracted people who are interested in getting stronger. They also happen to look better, want to look better. And before it got delayed, I think we had something like 30 people sign up for the photo shoot as well. So they didn't come to us and be like, hey, I want to get shredded for a photo shoot. It was, they came to us with body composition goals and they that evolved into like, hey, do you want to get really lean for a photo shoot? Yeah, fucking oath, let's do that. So I think it's important to place yourself in the market again, willing and that's that willing and able thing for me um and like you said like who who's attracted to you my skill set is taking people who kind of know how to squat bench and deadlift and making them good powerlifters in a pretty short period of time yeah yeah the willing and able part's important like there's going to be small percentages of coaches in the in those niches that their whole job and income and service is working with powerlifters working with whatever um but like we just said it's like a small percentage. So you've got to consider like, are you in a position where you're a leader in space where you can gravitate to that? That might be something that you can do over time, but it's like at the start, it's like don't back yourselves into a corner where, you know, you do this niche thing and it's like, I only work with people who are going to compete. It's like, what if you want, what about recreational bodybuilders who have no, you know, uh, ambition to train on stage or something like that? It's like, would you consider training them? Like you should consider training them. There's more recreational uncompetitive bodybuilders in the world than there are people that are competitive maps uh agreeing with everything that i say at the same time (laughs) um so there's obviously a spectrum and a journey when you work with your niche like it's not the first and only time you'll do it um and you'll probably start to the longer you train and the more you get to know your client and the more you get to know their problems and, and build a service around them you will really start to micro it down and you'll probably get to a point where you'll make a decision and go well, I'm not really going to train a broad spectrum of people under this niche. I'm really only going to look for this specific type of person. So an example of that would be male physique clients. And even to the point where they only train physique or bodybuilding or something like that. But that person that did that at some point trained all physique clients. Mm. And before that, they trained everyone interested in body composition. You know, So there's a rite of passage to get to that point um, and these three areas are an easy place to start to identify that. Yeah, I think the only time that that works is if you're a top athlete that then like brings on clients because it's a way to make money. Um, I think in my experience, everyone I know at the top, at least in powerlifting and bodybuilding that I pay attention to, like bodybuilding coaches and powerlifting coaches, even some of the good athletes, like they were working in fitness clubs, training everybody then they became something and now they just train powerlifters. But I I've also see a lot of people that do powerlifting, not necessarily at a really high level or like have any sort of notoriety that are like, no, I only work with powerlifters. I only work with people that want to compete. And it's like, how's your book looking? It's like, oh, 10, 15, maybe 20 clients. It's like, is that a sustainable business model for you? Like, is that, is that working for you long-term? um i i don't know maybe if you're cool with that then that's sweet but i i think there's if you want to run a business with a solid income and be able to stay in this industry for a long time and have a good lifestyle i I don't think that's the way to go 
yeah, like this, man, this is, this talk's huge. Like even this segment's huge. Cause then it's mm. like for that person, you can almost break it down to like, yeah, sure. Maybe the, the markets it is what it is, or it's like that person's ability to communicate and attract with this person. You know, that particular type of client is, is not good enough, you know, and they need to put a bit more work in um, to attract these kind of people. And it's the reason why they only have maybe 10, you know, 15 mm. kind of people, um, looking at your business analytics, like how often, how long do people stay for, you know, all those kind of things, like people that compete in anything would typically finish once the competition's over. So you've got to consider like, how good are you in at bringing clients back into your business? You know, um, if you're good at bringing people in, you've got to consider that once someone gets to a competitive endpoint, they're going to leave, you know, and that happens a lot with bodybuilding, especially like they'll take a break or, you know, just do one show and they'll leave or for whatever reasons they'll, um, they'll cancel or whatever. So, you know, you've got to consider all of these things, you know, if you want to have, you know, all of these clients and meet your, your business goals and your income goals, got to consider the habits of the client with the goals that they have, you know, and it's like, is, am I, am I in a position to run a successful business with this particular type of client? Cause there's going to be people listening to this going, Oh, well, Ben and Jason are saying, don't micro down and don't work with powerlifters and don't be this person. It's like, no, no, no just consider are you in a position to do that mm. you know and know that client so well that it's like understand that in 20 weeks time it's highly likely going to leave you know yeah. and it's like can you bring someone else on because bodybuilders specifically have a turnover rate once they get to an event um or they'll just decrease their coaching capacity so they'll go to monthly or whatever and it's like do you can you bring someone back on you know are you attracting these people on a regular basis yeah, it's a pretty small percentage of people who tick, like say fulfillment, right? Your fulfillment might be the most fulfillment you get is from when people compete. That's an example. Um, I know you and I probably aren't in that box, but if you you are, to just to cover off is like, should you really hone in? Don't forget the other two. Are they willing and able to pay? Well, if someone powerlifting and bodybuilding are both fucking time-consuming sports, they're both energy and psychologically challenging sports to participate in. They take up a lot of time. Not a ton of people, and I'm not saying none, but not a whole lot of people want to pursue that and make a lot of money. So when they want to pursue it, and if they're passionate about it enough, most bodybuilders know how to train. Most powerlifters know how to train. They go to a coach for that very specific outcome to maximize their returns. Like Jay said, once that thing's over though, they're pretty happy to just kick back and be like, yeah, I can take care of this. Like I can, like, I, I just did it. Like I'm, I've decided I wasn't going to compete anymore. It's was like, well, the next step would probably do my own coaching now. Cause it was like, I can, I was just choosing not to, so I could maximize my potential for, for uh, competing. So I, I just think um, you're putting yourself in, in just one box when you need to consider the other three. Yeah. Are they willing able to pay over a long period of time? If you sat down and thought about, okay, so what about the dude who say weekend warrior trains four times a week, fucking busts ass, still hits their macros, but can't do two hours of cardio every single day and can't train for two hours every single day and can't micromanage their nutrition or doesn't value it enough to really micromanage their nutrition down to the absolute fucking to get dick skin stayed shredded. Do you still get fulfillment out of creating body composition outcomes with that person? And are they more willing able to pay? Hmm. I think that's where the, because it's the same similar kind of outcome. You just, like I, I say to, to my girls all the time, like my specialty is like getting people eight to 10 weeks out. Like I'll make you look great at a photo shoot eight to 10 weeks out. You want to compete? I don't have the capacity <laughs> to deal with it. You can go work with Jason. <laughs> and we've actually had one of my old clients go to you recently for that reason. It's like, that's not, I'm not invested enough in that. And you're not going to get the best out of me for that. Yeah. But I will get you to eight to 10 weeks out mentally stable without anything extreme. You'll be stronger and look great and be really happy. That's what I do. And lots of people are willing and able to do that, do it one and pay for it too. So I think that's really important to separate them. Yep. For the people listening in this podcast, especially. Yeah. Yeah. So... I think the next step there is like starting to consider what things that people think they're not important, right? They, they think 
the, one of the questions that we ask is like, what phone do they use? And it's like, well, the fuck, the fuck doesn't matter to me. I'm personal trainer. I don't care if they've got an Apple or an Android. It's like, yeah, but what does the Apple user think? What do they also do? What do they also care about? Like, I would assume most Android users are like, they're either most of the ones that I know are like intermediate geeky shit, or it's a little bit of like, fuck Apple, because everyone's got <laughs> Apple. So if you know you've got a clientele that's like, fuck Apple, and they like to go against the grain, and that shows up in a few other areas, it's like, okay, so this person likes a little bit of rebellious attitude, and they might like my satire, sarcastic memes that everyone likes at the moment. Just gives you a little hint. What kind of car do they drive? Well, that doesn't matter. Or people just think like, oh, it's just how much money they spent on their car. It's not. Because mm. the, the person that bought the one with the shiny alloys and the metallic paint and paid the extra amount of money cares a little bit more about what they're presenting to the people around them rather than buying the base model. So we start to get a profile of what actually is important to this person, what matters to them. So there's a few different areas. You want to look at geography first. Where, where do they hang out? So work, um, where do they live? Where do they go on the weekends? Where do they want a holiday? What social media apps do they use? All that kind of stuff. We want to know that because that starts to build a profile of the person. If you want to talk about, hey, you want to get shredded for your holiday in Bali, you need to know that the person you work with likes to go on to Bali. It's, it's an important consideration because if you're, if you're talking to someone who is like, Bali is the scum of the earth, I'm going to the Greek islands, then it's like, well, you missed the mark there, didn't you? Uh, so demographic wise, age, marital status, top five interests, whether or not they do include fitness or they don't, and also their income. What do they do for work? How many hours do they work? How much downtime do they get? How much training do they actually do? Really important things as well. Psychologically, what are their top five priorities? What are their three biggest problems that they face in terms of maybe in life in general, but also within their training? What are their goals? What are their fears? Again, both in life and in training. You start to tap into who this person is, how they think, what they believe. So then when you communicate with them, you actually get an idea of knowing them. It's funny, we never sit back and think about our friends and look at all this stuff and think like, oh, well, this person likes this, so I talk to them this way or this person drives that car, so I talk to them that way. But we all do it. We all know our friends to this level and we're all able to effectively communicate with them and understand them because we know all of these things about them mostly, like what's important to them. Like if you've got a friend, we're both interested in Formula One. I got friends that could not give two fine fucks about motorsport. And if I start talking about motorsports, then they're like, fuck off, what are you talking about? I do not care. So it's understanding how to navigate small talk and conversation and all of that with, with them as well. Yeah. Uh, so willing to pay, we kind of, I think we're kind of covered. Yeah. The one I see here is like most of the time when willing to pay, willing to pay becomes a problem is young PTs that want to train other young people. Like you said earlier, like that, we aim 25 to 35 for that reason. It's like those people are career driven. They're still, um, really focused on these outcomes. Um, so being being really conscious of that, if you're going to target because you're, let's say you're a young single mom and you want to help other young single moms with their health and fitness, that's awesome. And it's obviously super noble to want to do that, but just understand, okay, well, what's the willing enableness to pay? Yeah. And you can still do that. Just understand that you might need to do group training or mm. like some kind of cheaper option that allows people to subscribe to your service is going to affect how you display your business model. Yeah. Your model I mean, and your service have to reflect the person you are working with. Yeah. hundred percent. Fulfillment we've kind of covered. So I think next is like, what does all this mean and how do we actually put it together and, make something of it because it's it's cool to sit down and write all of this out and figure out like all right i work with 25 to 35 year old women who put training in their top three priorities and um want to look better naked and be strong as fuck 
like, that's my niche and that's who I talk to all the time. And when I speak that out loud, I have a few of my clients that I know when I make content, I write it speaking directly to them. And I know you have the same, Jace. Mm. So we've done that. Now we need to sit back and think about, okay, so what are they actually struggling with? What are their absolute obstacles? And we call them pain points. So what most people, most personal trainers will do in this circumstance will go to what we know they're not doing. So we'll go, they're not eating enough protein or they're not training hard enough or uh, what else is there? Like they, they're drinking too much on the weekend. Like all of these things that we start to like, well, they do this and they shouldn't. So we're going to tell them the information so they don't. Rather than sitting back and going, okay so what what does the person go through on a day-to-day basis well for example the person not eating enough protein maybe they're experiencing dom for three days doms for three days but they're not actually making progress like are you training really fucking hard but not seeing any results a really common mistake we see is women in particular don't eat enough protein that means you don't recover effectively, you're not recovered for your next session and you're actually in a downward snowball effect. If you want to get better outcomes, eat more protein. That post versus the average female should eat 2.2 grams per kilo of body weight of protein. It's like, which one are you signing up to? Which one creates more buying? Which one creates like, oh fuck, Jason actually understands me and knows what I think about and what I have trouble with on a daily basis. It's the fact that I'm busting my ass in the gym and not getting anywhere. So we recommend putting together a hundred of those. Now, where even the guys in the standout PT program, when they read that, they all shit themselves. And it's okay, guys, we understand. And they all come to the workshop and go, oh, fuck, I only got 40. That's okay. It might take a little bit of time to put a hundred together. Once you unlock it and once you kind of click and think like, nah, that's who my client is, it becomes super easy. So think about like in the powerlifting space, for example, uh, and Jace, you'll be able to speak on like body part specific stuff, for example. Like my clients want to get better at squat benching and deadlift. It's like, okay, does your back hurt when you squat? Does your, are you struggling to hit depth? Do you have sore wrists from low bar squats? Did your shoulder hurt when you bench press? Do you get bicep pain? Like so much just like, or they want to squat. That's the pain point, right? And they leave it there. It's like, oh, my squat's not good enough. It's like, okay, now let's go into what happens when they go in and squat. What do they think about? I'm scared of the bar. I'm scared of bailing. Uh, It hurts my back. It hurts my shoulders. It hurts my knees. hurts my hips. Okay, so we can identify five things just from half thinking about what's going on with the squat. You would have the same stuff for like your physique guys, right? Yeah, like one, even you can have like a pain point and have like five pain points within a pain point. Like Mm. a lot of the time when you get those first like 30 pain points, you'll be able to break each one of those down like even further. So getting the hundred, like I'm not saying it's easy but it's not hard. It just takes a little bit of time, you know, but it's, it's once you have your pain points speaking to these people or speaking to this person becomes much easier, you know, and then that's when you start to create more engaging content. Yeah. Yeah. And I think the, it's going to come down to the the trainer themselves, but I think the more you can show, you understand the total psychology of a client rather than just, like we just use a squat as an example because it's easy. Being able to understand beyond that, I think is even even cooler. Like um, one of the ones we've got in our hundred is like sick of gym bro unsolicited advice. It's like we train chicks and I hear all the time, oh, this fuckwit came up and told me to change my deadlift to this. And I'm like, yeah, cool, like good on him. <laughs> <laughs> like we know that that happens um that goes beyond just like my booty's not growing that would have to be the number one pain point that every male who coaches lots of females gets told yeah (laughs) (laughs) yeah yeah anyone that just coaches lots of chicks in general i think yes like sure i've heard that for years like from my clients and others as well yeah now it happens on social media as well it's annoying (laughs) 
yeah like now you post the video on social media and they get it where like when we started it was just in the gym like oh, yeah. this fucking guy yeah i had it out with a guy on a gym floor once over that yeah. like broke my client <laughs> um but yeah like binge days um scale variation during their period like this is goes beyond just like the bar position feels uncomfortable with the squat like that's good and it's valuable and if someone values that information it's great but like you can go so much deeper into understanding the person you're training yeah so if we tie that all together like i know we said we had a a shorter episode today and this isn't a huge topic if we tie it all together, decide where you are in your business. So are you fully booked or not? If you're not fully booked, you train everyone in that motherfucking gym until you are. And I put up a post yesterday about like all the stuff that you should do until you've got a, a full book. Um, Jason's gone quiet because his dogs are going fucking crazy. So I'm going to talk. <laughs> uh, I put up a yes- yesterday a post of like shit you shouldn't do unless you have a full book. And it was like call out coaches and do all that kind of stuff. I think part of that is just pinning yourself down to being one thing when you haven't worked with enough people yet. So if you're don't, if you don't have a full book, your niche is everyone in that gym. If you're going online and you, and, or you have a full book, then that's when we start to really hone in on this really specific person, the details, which are very, very important to hone that in even, even finer. Consider who's willing to pay you, who you get fulfillment from and who you actually get results for. Write out a list. There'll be multiples in each of those and then just pick who's the most consistent at the top and just work around that. Again, the niche isn't your market. You're not never going to get those other people again. You still will. It's just you'll get better results by focusing on one. Work out as much as you can about that person as, as possible. Go beyond training, go beyond like where they go to the gym. Like what do they drive to the gym? What do they wear when they get there? Where do they go on the weekends? Like what do they eat? All of that shit. What else do they think is cool? What else do they value? Put together a list, a hundred pain points. It might take you a few revisits. You might get 20 at a time. You might get 50 the first time and then 10 each time you revisit it, but keep checking those over cool thing about the pain points is one year's when once you've done 100 so we talk about at the moment it seems to still be value in three to four posts per week seems to be the sweet spot divide that by 100 something like 35 weeks 30 weeks of content at least 20 if not 30 weeks of content ready to go you just have to list each pain point each time and guess what? Once you've done it 30 times over 30, we've done the 30 weeks. No one's going to remember what you posted 30 weeks ago and you just fucking do it again. Do it again. Yeah. <laughs> and you make those pain points articulated a little bit better and communicated a little bit better. Your communication will be a little bit better. So it'll actually improve over time, over time. And then all of a sudden you'll be amazing at training the person that you work with. So all of this, as much as it's like filling your book, filling your book, filling your book, and we talk about like PTs get told that you have to have integrity or money. You can't have both. I think this is a really clear example that you can have both both. Cause if you actually sit back and what makes you money is getting results and working with the right people and being able to churn out outcome after outcome, knowing who you work with facilitates that. Yeah. Cause you'll attract the people that you solve problems for. You've built your business around solving their problems. So you will solve their problems. You'll keep them, They'll refer other people and you're a, what we call a high road personal trainer. Yeah. There's the only thing I add on top of that is just a tremendous amount of like confidence and like authority that just comes with putting a lot of work into this area. Like just confidence is everything when someone wants to, you know, hire a coach. <clears throat> so if you know your clients, you know, you, and you know, you've built your business all around this particular person and the problems and the outcomes that you know, the problems they have and, and the outcomes you get, you're confident of solving them. Like imagine like sitting down with somebody and just like them experiencing someone with just so much like professionalism, confidence, um, technical skills, runs on the board that has a service built for them. Like, you know, we talk about how a lot of the guys in standout PT, you know, struggle with sales and stuff. And it's because like the things haven't been built from the ground up. 
know, so it's not about convincing people anymore. It's about if you put time into this space and other areas of your business, it's not, you don't have to convince people. It's, this is, these are the problems. This is how we deliver these outcomes for, for someone like yourself. This is what you get. When do you want to get started? You know, it's, it's, it's a formality rather than, you know, oh, you should do this because this is presented itself or you said that you wanted to do this and it's just this much and I'll give you a discount if you sign up today. You know, that really awkward kind of sales conversation that everybody's had as a, as a PT. So we can eliminate all of that process altogether and you can become that specialist that charges more money and works with the people you want if you put the work in in the right places. Yeah, actually, it's strange, very strange of me. Um, shared a reel from Gary V, which I do not do very often because I, I kind of got over him for a bit, but it was really good. It was about conviction versus convincing. And if you have full conviction, which is finding out who you work with, building a model around it, building a service around it, communicating to them, and then getting results for people, you have total conviction when you have a conversation with someone. That means you get buy-in and you don't have to convince anymore because you have everything Jace just talked about that it all comes down to conviction. You never have to convince anyone to work with you ever again. And I think most personal trainers, if you ask them what's the worst part of the job, it's convincing people to work with you that they'll say is sales. That's yes. not what sales is about really. Yeah. You get on top of that and you'll, you'll have a much, much better time <laughs> across yeah. all of your business. Yeah. And it will fast track itself much faster than uh, Ben and I did at the start of our careers as well. <laughs> Guessing. <laughs> We're going to do there. shit that I like to do because it's Just fun. Throwing out a bit, a lot of entertainment with yeah. no conviction. No conviction. Um, all right. So we actually have, uh, so this is obviously part of the standout PT program, but we have it live on the website for free at the moment. So if you go to stcfitlearning.com forward slash niche, everything that we've gone out today is laid out as a module with exercises to complete and do. So by the end of it, you get exactly who your ICA is and be able to put together those 100 pain points so you can take it out into your business and apply it straight away. Um, so if you do that, it'd be really cool if you obviously, because we gave it to you for nothing, just take a screenshot for us, share it up on the, on the web, give us a tag, that would be appreciated. Um, we just want heaps of people to do it because we want the industry to get better. Yep. And we think we have enough conviction in there that we don't have to convince you that once you've done it, you might want to come work with us on other stuff. <laughs> Funny how that happens, right? Uh, also refer back to the episode 122. We talk about the five pillars and we talk about how knowing your, knowing your clientele and your community, how to affect everything else that happens in your business. And, and you'll be able to see all those pieces fall into place for you as well. Sweet. I don't think we have anything else on. Not the moment. You've got about 24 hours to message me post the drop of this program on the SEC Fit Learning Instagram uh, to get a spot in this intake of Standout PT. The next one's not till February. So uh, if you want in, it needs to happen right now. Otherwise, at Ben Scott STC, at Jason Galea underscore STC. Hey, he's got it. We're on track now. Uh, <laughs> at STC Fit underscore learning as well. Uh, we haven't scheduled any webinars yet, so we'll announce those next time. We do, however, want to start moving into a few more guest episodes. Um, so we're going to have a bit of an announcement coming up about our new course that we're going to launch next year, which is pretty fucking exciting. Um, so we're going to have a few guest presenters in that course, and we'll probably be teeing up some podcasts with those guys. But if you want to recommend anyone to come on as a guest that you think aligns with us and our values and can help, just shoot us a message and we'll happily get them on. I'm sure you guys are getting sick of me and Jace. <laughs> sick of me today because Mav wanted to join in too much. Oh, so much up. howling in today's episode that I had to block out. <laughs> awesome. All right, guys. Thanks for listening. Give us a share and we'll speak to you soon. See you guys.